Hello and welcome to the Swift Legacy Podcast, a show where we talk all things Taylor Swift with a focus on her early career. We're your hosts, Molly, Amy and Rachel, and today we're going to be talking all about one of Taylor's most well-known unreleased songs, Dark Blue Tennessee. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Swift Legacy Podcast. Today we are very excited to be talking about Dark Blue Tennessee, which is a song that I think a lot of people expected to be on the Fearless Vault, but it wasn't. So let's get right into this. This song was written with Robert Ellis Oral in 2004, which means Taylor was around 14 or 15 years old. She also wrote a lot of other songs with Robert Ellis Oral, including I'm Only Me When I'm With You, Just South Of Knowing Why, Better Off, and What Do You Say? The story is really sweet, and we think it's probably about a fictional couple, as far as we know, and they go through a breakup. And Rachel, do you want to talk more about the details of the storyline in this song? Dark Blue Tennessee is definitely more of a nod to Taylor's earlier songwriting style, because back when she was a teenager, she's she's explained herself, she didn't have a lot of experience with love, so she would just write things up. She'd make up stories herself and make up something fictional, and we do believe Dark Blue Tennessee is a fantastic example of that. The story of Dark Blue Tennessee is basically a couple who breaks up and the boyfriend moves away to the city and he calls her each night to tell her how much better his life is without her there, how he's so moved on without her. And every time he hangs up the phone, she whispers back how much she misses him and how much she wishes he would just come back and she's still there waiting for him in Tennessee and how she feels the place is so dark blue and low without him there. At the crescendo of the song, it actually flips on its head and you find out that the guy actually didn't move away to the city. He is still there in Tennessee and every time he hangs up the phone too he's whispering about how much he misses her and there is definitely um definitely a very controversial lyric maybe towards the end which suggests the 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 guy actually commits suicide at the end of the song because he lets his pride get in the way of how much he loves her and it's catastrophic now as i said that is controversial it's not concrete that this is what happens but uh, that is what's widely believed with listeners of the song Yeah, that is interesting because I only actually found that out a couple of months ago. Like I'd just been listening to it and it's a great song, but I hadn't been paying that much attention in terms of the storyline in the bridge. So the lyrics are, she almost called him on the night that he wrote these simple words on his goodbye note. Then it goes into the chorus about how much he misses her. So some people think that maybe he just left. Or some people think that he committed suicide and that would make the song extremely, extremely sad, extremely dark. Molly, what's your take on that? I think I always just assumed it was suicide. I'm not sure whether it's because I'd read some things about it or because that's what I'd heard listening to the song. But when I listened to it again more recently, I realised it's actually not explicit, is it? It doesn't ever say exactly what happened. It's just implied. So, Mm. I mean, I do think it possibly is hinting at that and that may be why it didn't ever end up on an album or one of her early albums because she was fairly young at the time that I mean if she was 14 or 15 when she wrote it then it was an early consideration for um debut and she was only 16 when that was released and it's quite a dark lyric to put on a 16 year old album and it wasn't really what they were going for I don't think I know you said it doesn't say it explicitly but I feel like when you actually read the lyrics it kind of it's very heavily implied and I don't think there's Reading it now, I don't think there's much of a doubt that that's what they were maybe 
going for. It would be interesting, maybe if at some point we were to talk to her co-writer, Robert Ellis Oral, and see what his opinion is of it and see maybe whether they had that idea in the writing session or whether it's maybe a coincidence that it just sounds that way. This song was considered for both debut and fearless because it was written in 2004, but like we've all said, it was probably a bit too dark for her debut album, especially when she was 16, kind of putting out songs like Our Song that were very much more lighthearted and more teenage-like. We also know it was considered for Fearless because it was on the mirror track list in her bathroom, which was in a People photo shoot in 2007. I'm personally not sure that it would have fit on either of those albums. I just, I think it's a great song, but it's got a different vibe to it than either of those albums have. And if I was pushed, I would put it on debut album. Yeah. Um, I just don't think it fits Fearless. But what do you think, Rachel? I fully agree. I think it's much more of a melancholy track. It's very dark, very moody. It's very poetic. And honestly, if I could compare it to any song Taylor's actually put out thematically, sound-wise, the way that she's singing it, honestly, Exile. I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. Missing you like this is such sweet sorrow. It's just kind of, it's very tragic. It's very melancholy. That's what I'd say about the song. It's the way it sang for me. When Dark Blue Tennessee was first circulated, we didn't actually know how old it was. It was widely believed that it was a fearless cut due to the mirror trackless picture that's also leaked. However, once we discovered that it was written back in 2004, meaning Taylor's very, very young, you kind of do realise that it was originally done for the debut. And I fully agree with what Molly said. It probably wasn't the kind of thing that her team was going for. But back then, when a lot of it was fictional, Taylor did write a lot of, pretty dark songs the one about brought up that way it has hints of truth in it but that's that's ultimately about a girl dying in a boating accident um yeah so it's it's not unheard of for her to experiment with her songwriting and it is a very poetic song lyrically I think the poet the poetic side of it it does fit better on fearless because for me that entire album does sound like poetry like with the songs like you're not sorry and the way I loved you and tell me why they do run more poetically than the debut but um sound wise it's kind of almost like tied together with a smile that also kind of has a dark undertone to it as well it could go on either honestly however I am a sucker for things being done in chronological order so I would like to see it on the debut if it were to end up on the vaults yeah I definitely agree there Molly which do you think it should have been on if it were to be on any I think I'm with Rachel on the fact that sonically it fits Fearless more. And I think there's a big jump from debut to Fearless in terms of the maturity of the topic she's singing about and Mm -hmm. the way that she approaches songwriting. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that she probably gained a lot more experience with love and just life experience in general between those two albums or between the songs that she was writing for debut and for Fearless. So I think in that sense, it probably fits better on Fearless. And it also kind of coincides, I was quite surprised that it wasn't on Fearless actually, because of something she said in that note. What what was that note that she wrote um, kind of when she announced that Fearless was coming first? And she was talking about how um, it was songs that weren't on the album because they didn't want too many... um, down-tempo songs, too many ballads, too many heartbreak songs. And I think that probably, Dark Blue Tennessee probably fits into that category of maybe being one too many. I think it was interesting though that she wrote it in 2004 and she obviously clung onto it for a while because it didn't go on debut, but then it was on the mirror track list for Fearless. So she wanted to put it somewhere. 
and obviously mm-hmm. came to the conclusion that it just didn't work on either. I think it is interesting how she does kind of, like you say, cling on to songs for such a long time sometimes before releasing them. I mean, if you look at Sparks Fly, that was originally written in 2006 um, and then not released until Speak Now, which, I mean, it went through a lot of dramatic changes, but she does, if she really likes a song or if we really like a song, I think she maybe does her best to find a project that it will actually fit on. I was going to say, if we're jumping ahead, I think of all her albums, it fits best on red. Like if she was just going to throw it in there, I think it could go on red. And it reminds me a lot of I Almost Do. Yes. Yes. Massively. The theme of you've got two people who do still love each other, but they're not quite brave enough to say it. And it's just that idea of something almost happens and it just doesn't. That had never crossed my mind, but that is incredible. That's amazing. That would be perfect. And also with like some red style production, that would be so cool. Okay, so my next question, do we think it's going to be in a vault? Rachel, what do you think? If it is in a vault, I do believe she'll turn it into a duet in the same way that she turned That's When into a duet with Keith Urban because it is two halves of a phone call. I think it'd be very interesting to get an artist like Tim McGraw on a song like that, potentially, or just somebody like that. Honestly, I think Bon Iver would be very good on that song, but I don't think it's going to happen purely because of when she wrote that song. If it does go on a vault and if it does get a duet, it's going to be a it's going to be a country artist. Okay, that had not even crossed my mind, and <laughs> I feel like my heart has just been ripped out. That is absolutely genius. Yeah. Please suggest oh, that to Taylor directly because <laughs> I would adore that. I think that's such a good idea, and I hadn't even. I don't know why I hadn't considered the idea that it could be a duet because it would work perfectly as a duet. It really I feel like would. Rascal Flatts would have good vocals for that song. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Like what hurts the most vocals on that? Oh my yeah. God. You proper freaked me out with that now. <laughs> I've just got this list of different country artists running through my head of like who would be perfect for this. Yeah. If she does that, I, oh my God, I will never understand that woman. I think that of any vault, it will definitely be debut. As much as it would fit on red, it won't be, in my opinion. And I do think it will be in the debut vault because I think that it's so iconic in the fandom and she knows that because she, yeah. she knows what goes on behind the scenes of the fandom. Can I interject? There's something I forgot to say. I think that in this day and age, if she were to release Dark Blue Tennessee, she would rewrite the ending so that it wasn't so open-ended on suicide personally i think it's a bit too of a sensitive topic to include on an album right now yeah i mean i think we we definitely live in such an age where you have a trigger warning on twitter for for anything and you know whether whether people personally find that beneficial or completely pointless like for somebody out there it is beneficial and it is there for a reason so i don't know if she would so blatantly put a song about a suicide note on an album. That's an interesting idea. And I wonder whether that's a almost a barrier to putting it on one of the vaults and maybe why it didn't end up on the Fearless Vault. I don't know whether she yeah. wanted to change the lyrics to change the entire story. I know she did it with um, That's When a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. it's definitely something to consider. I think you're right. I think it's, it may be a little bit too much of a sensitive topic to put on a song. I don't know. I think that the the bridge is really good and I think it gives the song a lot more depth and a lot more meaning and it makes it a lot more poignant. I think it's a very interesting take and I will be very curious to see whether she does that. 
Would you like her to do that? Do you think it would be better if she did that? I, I love again. Dark Blue Tennessee for what it is. It's just that moody, dark masterpiece. But I, I don't think it would be ruined if she put like one lyric at the end about kind of how in brought up that way she puts Emily opens her eyes at the end. I don't think Dark Blue Tennessee would be ruined if something like that happened. I think it'd be nice to see the extension of the story. I suppose as well maybe there's not as much as a barrier of her putting it out in terms of it doesn't explicitly say as much as it is very heavily implied it doesn't specifically say that he committed suicide that's all we've got time for today but we will be back again next week with another episode of the swift legacy podcast